Welcome to the Disruptive Mindset Podcast. Join me, Emma Jones, as we take a deep dive behind the scenes of executives and leaders in the IT and the tech industries. We'll find out about their models for success, lessons they've learned, and what makes them disruptive in their businesses and sectors, and ultimately find out how it can help us. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Disruptive Mindset Podcast. I'm thrilled to have you joining us today as we dive into the world of human resources and talent management. We've got a very special guest with us today, Jaya Satish, Senior Vice President and Head of HR at Memphis Organization. Jaya brings a wealth of experience and expertise in the field of HR, having spent years working with diverse teams and managing talent in various industries. Her passion for developing and nurturing people has not only transformed organisations, but also contributed to the success and the growth of countless individuals she's worked with. Throughout this episode, we will be exploring Jaya's valuable insights into the evolving role of HR in today's dynamic business landscape. We will discuss various aspects of talent, talent acquisition, retention and development, as well as the importance of cultivating a positive and inclusive work culture. We will also be looking at how technology is influencing talent solutions and grappling with the skills of future. Thank you for joining us. I'm going to dive straight into questions. Thank you for coming on to my podcast. It's a great to see you. Um, and so what I'm really curious about is, um, what, did you, what do we need to know about you that made you the person that you are and who are your influences that informed your value and your drives in life? First of all, thank you, Emma. Big, big thank you. Talking to you, you're always a big source of energy. You bring in so much of enthusiasm on the conversation, a big smile, which which makes the day much better than what it usually is. <laughs> so, yeah. And and you're also one person, you know, we, we get to understand a lot of cultures from, you know, and if you remember sometime back, I was telling you, uh, you know, you seem to be knowing more of India than I do. <laughs> this is true. I am half Indian. I'm sure of it. Absolutely love it. <laughs> in my blood. I do. I do get to. But yeah, going back to that, you know, you, you did say, you know, what is it that, you know, you've made me what I am today? I think just, just to give you a little background, it needs a little bit of knowledge about where I come from. I come from a family of, you know, small time girl from, from India, from a small town. I have six sisters, you know, wow. including me, we are six sisters. And um, my father was in the judiciary. He passed away quite early, uh, you know, when we were really very young. Uh, but then I do remember some of the some of the value systems that he brought into us was you know this one thing nobody can steal from you is your is your you know education so you know irrespective of whatever happens that goes with you so you you'll see you know if you see a little journey that I've done in my my career and life that's something which went embedded and uh, the role model I had you know where you could see you know where the whole drive came from uh, was definitely my mother um, she, she was you know when my father passed away she was there with all six of us um, and in a place like India where you arrange the 
the whole marriage system for your children and you know you take the whole burden of extensive education uh, you know so i think you know it drilled to us the value system of of you know taking education into your stride let learning not stop and um, and carry on on with what you have dreamt for is probably that's that's embedded started from the family that i've brought in yeah you know i noticed that i mean education is super important in india um you know sort of everywhere you go and i think it's absolutely brilliant because you come to england and half the kids can't even get it's such a different it's such a different thing isn't it um, that's really interesting so so when your dad passed you there was six of you basically all struggling right bless your mother yeah, correct correct yeah she had she had a hard time so so you when did you come to the uk so how long have you been in been around in the uk for i've been here now for almost 15 years and uh the journey started with my first job in india but then i was there for maybe two three years and uh the company that i was there for a long time it's you know i started from india and then i moved on to australia where I was brought into as a techno-functional consultant for an enterprise application implementation. And from there moved on to New Zealand uh, in the role that I had also, you know, there was um, US element of it. And then in the last 15 years Land in the UK, UK managing yeah, European business from an HR standpoint, yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Now, you're not just an HR person. You are an HR person with a difference. And I know this because I've had the pleasure of working with you. Um, so you've done 19 years in a really large SIHCL. And, you know, that is no mean feat. I mean, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a hard-nosed environment, all of these big SIs. You know, so, and, and you, you know, you must have seen the best of them. You must have seen the worst of them. So, so, so when you're working for large integrations, what's your thoughts on the best and the worst of these sort of big, sort of large yeah. monsters? Yeah. So, if you can understand the large enterprise that you're talking about, the 19 years that I did with them, of course, they were not that big. You know, when we had joined them, I joined them in India, and I do remember at that point in time, two years into the organization in India, I had. Uh, offer from a very large investment banking company to, to join them in their HR. Um, and some might, some people might think it would have been really a foolish decision to do so, but I did not join them because I thought when you work for a company which is smaller in nature and you grow, you tend to have a breadth of knowledge and a lot of experiences that you can bank upon uh, than an organization where you are boxed into a super, super, you know, uh, specialization bucket and where the breadth will get missing. So uh, the journey was from scratch to scale, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so this whole, you know, journey from scratch to scale becomes in a way that, you know, uh, it's high growth. Mm -hmm. So in such a high growth environment, the plus point is that there'll be so many instances thrown up to you that if you are a person who loves challenges, who loves experimenting with new things, you would be in cloud nine to say, oh, well, these are grab as many as you can and just move ahead because this is your opportunity to learn. And that's what we did. We opened up new countries. We set up functions. Uh, and, you know, 
policies and things like that, you know, so you learn quite a bit. The flip side of it is that when you're growing so fast, some of the processes you can't pace up with. So, you know, you'll also get your own side of, of you know, brick bats in terms of, yes, you know, your very high growth potential. I remember there was a point in time in UK when I'd landed, the businesses that were handling almost having a 50% growth. So you can imagine what that brings in. Uh, and can you pace up with everything at the same time? No, it doesn't happen. Manually, it doesn't happen. But you do learn from it and you take your time. So good side of it is that you are on the wave, you're learning. The flip side of it is that probably sometimes the pace may not be into it and and you lack on the, the process side of it a bit. Yeah, there's a, there's a certain amount of chaos, you know, um, yeah. but I think comes with, I think comes with both. I mean, you know, it's easier to scale a sort of a $4 billion business than it is a sort of a $10 billion business. You know, it's sort of, uh, you know, I absolutely, I absolutely hear you. And and I think the, um, the interesting thing about your role is that you, you did all the, you know, I know you had a big role in there and, um, you know, you were very involved in a lot of the commercial elements of this, which which is very few and far between HR that sort of really dig in and get get involved in that. Um, so how did you do it and what's your secret for that? Because, you know, you've got all the salespeople, you had to run, the, you know, the whole of this sort of area. What's your secret around that? So, um, I've always been, uh, you know, I've always worked for IT services organizations, you know, uh, and if you see 90% of my career so far, I have been closer to where the business happens. Okay, so uh, been very closely associated with business leaders on the ground. Uh, that level of interaction when you have with the business leaders and for you to work on the expectations that they have. And, and you know, we use the word value everywhere, but I, I mean it in the deeper sense of the word. When they have a conversation with you, they expect you to understand their business. No business can be understood unless and until you understand the commercial side of it, believe me. Yeah, it's, a, yeah, it's yeah. an interesting point, that. No business can be understood, you know. We all are working, I know, for creating experience for employees as an HR. That's you'll find a lot of conversation around that. But why are you doing that experience creation? Why are you doing because ultimately it should lead to something which is for the growth of the organization, right? Because ultimately that's that's like a circle, isn't it? Good experience, growth. So if you don't understand what finite, what ultimately you are impacting, what are the factors that are impacting them? So, you know, there is a softer side of HR and this is the harder side of HR from a hardcore numbers. When you talk to people like salespeople, you understand their role. Their role is not gray. They are all black and white. They understand numbers. They understand targets. So, you know, it's, if you don't speak their language and if you cannot make the explain to them in their language of numbers, then probably you have lost, you've you missed the bus. So, you know, it's probably my inclination plus the fact that I have been into roles and this is one of the very close part of my role that you interact with the salespeople and the business heads. 
which has dealt me into understanding the commercials which either meant that you you creating a plan for sales you are you are monitoring the whole part of of the commercial side of of uh, you know the the pnl or the sgni to see that you know uh, we are on track because they are also linked back to incentives that the people get if they don't do their numbers then you know uh, they don't get their incentives i used to have whole session with the sales and say you know what guys if you do these three things on your margins this is how your incentive gets impacted and they should love this conversation jay can we get into a room every quarter and you get us through that so that's where it is it's something it's all back to the employees but in a different shape yeah 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 <laughs> it's such an important part of the growth strategy i mean that they had you around to help them you know sort of uh, navigate all of that i think it's really important um that's really interesting and and i know after about 19 years you you had this sort of stop and you were like right okay and i know education's obviously been a really important because i remember discussing with it you discussing it with you at the time and you had you you had this sort of like, i'm going to go and do a masters and i'm like are you mad jaya but <laughs> 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 you you went up and you did that you know hats off you went back to you know you went back to that you did your masters So how how do you think that really helped because you were really established anyway you've had this great career you've got all of this stuff behind you and you've got some really individual skill sets how did that masters help you so um you know uh, going back to lse uh you know and and doing other sap certifications and all my whole fundamental theory is that and it's a common theory of economics we say you get returns from where you invest correct so uh it's i'm not a kind of person who sit back and wait for the company to give me a formal training because i feel if i invest in myself of course i'll get the return okay so there are different ways of investing obviously you experience is one way of investing in yourself that you give yourself various experience i i i come from maybe a little old school and i feel that you know giving that formal education is also a very great way of of investing in yourself and obviously the the certification on sap or doing a masters from from london school of economics was was very vital one great thing that lse brings to you is is the way it it's a it's a very research oriented university so it's a it's a different from from some of the other universities that you have different colleges that you have uh, it brought in that whole research orientation you know to the way you think so you 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 start thinking more deep out of the ordinary of what looks obvious and you know you you try to understand things more deeper you do more research around that so that was a very very different part of of way to look at the whole uh, you know subjects that i was going through and that you can imply in your work as well not that you know the work would be done without less of research but it brings in a very global perspective as well plus the whole masters degree brought in you can't imagine the diversity it had you know, diversity in terms of gender orientation nationality and as well as the whole you know um, the the whole groups age and and everything so it was a huge amount of learning today you know we say we design software uh, to see how would gen z ad, you know look at it you also study with a set of people uh you know 
say for example if you have somebody who's like you know half your age uh, or or maybe you know 10 years younger to you you do understand how do they look at education how they 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 try to make things out of it when they so it's a it's in a way it's giving you a feeder of what the next generation or what you know somebody who's 5 years younger to you in terms of your you know work experience how do they look at it so it's a completely different perspective formal education is one but the informal information that it surrounds with gives you a lot of inputs yeah i, I do you know what i would imagine that's really interesting because because when we're in these large corporates we tend to be surrounded by not the same people but you know the diversity necessarily isn't there you know to go especially when you i think you move up in your career you don't yeah. necessarily work with your gen z you know uh, to an extent like that so to actually go and be in a thinking group with them that i would imagine would be really really interesting you you i mean things come out and you probably like oh my god i hadn't thought of it like that you know must no. be super i would some some people you know if you see you know uh, if you see some of the senior leaders when people talk to them also they try to bring in a very homogeneous outlook because they don't want to to be uh, they don't want to contradict yeah but some of the, you know so therefore you know within some of the senior leadership group people try to bring in a very homogeneous kind of a conversation uh, just to show yourself as being very aligned being aligned is also very important but if you see some of the gen disease they 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 just speak their mind out yeah. okay and that's so very equally important because this is a generation entering the workforce yeah absolutely so yeah. and, and and this generation you won't even get to see in your office <laughs> exactly <laughs> like no no they're all coming up with us no we want to work from home no 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 no, no. we're only going to do four days a week yeah no no yeah absolutely <laughs> no I'm, i'm i'm with you on that one um, absolutely brilliant so do you know i want to move on to um talk talent with you right because that's obviously where we we go back um with talent and i want to know you've done some really interesting thought leadership stuff around this and i want to know what you think is coming next with talent what what what's that what's the next from a technology point of view i know you've got some good thoughts around this yeah i think we are just moving left on 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 that aspect you know we need more thinkers now you know what it company is bringing is that you know all your regular work is what the artificial intelligence will take care of to so start you start going left you start being more more thinker you have to be much more innovative uh, you know what industrial revolution did to people 100 years ago is what ai is going to do now but at a different level altogether right so well if industrial revolution didn't stop the kind of jobs you know not that you know the world became completely unemployed but it just pushed the mankind to a different level okay saying that there are some rudimentary things you know that machines will do repetitive ones so you scale up ai is now saying generative ai when others are saying push yourself up now now you know you have to push yourself to a different level so that's why saying moving left you know start more they're more thinking organization both value creation will go at a different level altogether yeah. in terms of of what human beings would be expected to do So I'm going to throw a left question in for you here. I don't really be able to answer it properly, but if you take yourself say 5 years out and you stand here and you look back because I you know there's a lot of talk around AI at the moment and you know we're seeing it in 
every single industry is being affected by digital transformation, you know, on, on one level or another. You know, HR has probably been a bit slower to, to, to adopt some stuff, but it is absolutely running at a pace now. So question is, five years out, looking back, what do you, what do you, what do you think it's going to look like from a talent perspective? So it will take, you know, whatever is happening today, it will take another five to seven years. I think then it will, you know, uh, there's a lot of speculations going on uh, in terms of what will happen to the talent. People are, if you if you hear uh, today in terms, and, and I'll, I'll more talk in relevance to the, uh, to the IT industry, you know, that's probably where my knowledge more resides than all other industries. Within the IT industry, people have started to realize that you know uh, the kind of talent that you need is of a different level people are reskilling themselves business orientation is also a very big factor that people are moving to okay because that that domain experience is very very valuable in fact there is another side of it where you know if you have an ai like you talk of chat chat gpt the prompt in there's something called a prompt engineering which says that you know what kind of questions you ask to get the, the right answer uh, and these prompt engineering is basically uh, how do you prompt the 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 you know the machine hmm. to ask to give you the right answer so the kind of question defines the kind of answer that you get so you have language experts today who are now trained to ask a certain thing so if say for example if i say the color of the sky is blue and if you say why probably if you ask it in in a different fashion in two different ways the answers could be completely different correct so that's the prompt engineering part so there will be you know people are now looking at and even universities today and <clears throat> even corporations today are trying to see what would be the future of technologies which probably even today people are still thinking we are we are thinking what what would you bring in like prompt engineering is a big field which will come up mm. now very soon right uh, in terms of how you aid this whole ai and and there will be more business oriented uh, you know work domain centric work that will happen is what i think your regular coding work will be slowing down you know because that will all come into the framework and things like chat gpt and artificial intelligence will take a lot of that work so people will scale up more and there will be new stuff which will come in which will you know many of which if you ask even the experts won't tell you what it will bring five years down the line but certainly like 10 years ago we everybody was talking about the cloud but nobody could put a handle on it and say what it will be. But now bigger banks and everybody trusts cloud and, and they have their data and everything there. Probably we learn this whole, you know, bigger elephant in the room called AI and we'll find more ways from in the IT industry to say how, you know, this will help and, and parallel, you know, skills which will come up, which will bring higher level of value. Yeah, new jobs, um, so prompt, prompt engineering is 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 we've heard it here first <laughs> yeah that's, that, that's really interesting and yeah i mean that that that's that's an interesting answer actually jaya and um a positive one which is great because actually if you listen to stephen bartlett's interview that i uh, that i listened to 
um, you know, I mean, Fred, scare the hell out of you. Do you know what I mean? We're all going to die in two years. You know, it's like, we're, we're, that's it. Wiped off the planet. All gone. <laughs> um, so tell me, tell me what your superpowers are. If we said, right, okay, you had like three superpowers. That, that would be it. What, what would they be? Number one, passion. Yeah. <laughs> Number two, hard work. I think those are two really, really utmost ones that I uh, that I have, and I think and the never give up kind of situation. You know, don't get bogged down in this. If you have passion, you won't you won't get let down by circumstances which are more temporal in nature, and it pulls you down because you know they say passion makes up for lack of skills, right? So if you have passion. You don't have skills on the way you will develop it. So I agree with that. It's it's about attitude, passion. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You can't buy that. I, I couldn't agree with you more. So what's currently catching your attention then? If I sort of said, if you had one thing, you had to spend it in 100 percent in one area, what would it be? See, I think you know one big thing about uh, you know from an HR standpoint that you uh, in IT companies you feel, and that was also your previous question, is that where are you investing in terms of skill development? Uh, am I am I developing the the right skills for the future? Because as much as you know, you know, and you have feeders coming, the market currently is in a state where. They say 90% of the jobs will not remain of what they are today, but they can't say what that 90% would be, what nature of skills you would need, but it's an evolving cycle. So for us, it's a it's a bit of a botheration. See, the regular support maintenance would never go away. It kind of, you know, it just transforms into a different thing as you go. But there's a side of the organization which prepares for the future and there's a side of the organization which which tries to run what is currently there so the side of the organization which prepares for the future so that you know you are servicing your customers better we know how we know 25 percent of it we're still struggling to see what skills would you develop for the future what kind of you know if i'm looking for a certain growth numbers uh, then where should it come from in terms of what kind of, of people we would be needing for that? Okay. Mm. That's really interesting. I, yeah. I imagine a lot of companies grappling with that. And, and, where, and where do you where do you put your marker in the sand for that? Is it a bit like, oh, I think we're going to go and we're going to go and invest in this area over here? I mean, because actually, you don't know what you don't know. Correct. Yeah, exactly. You don't know what you don't know. We, we you know. The current company I have, and I think a lot of companies are putting a lot of bet on the AI side, the generative AI, machine learning, because they see there's something this is going to take up the, you know, the market, but there'll be more than it as well. Uh, that's that's one side on the, on the hard side, which is the skill side. The other side is that how do you keep your people motivated when you are so not connected to them in the most traditional way that you had? You know, you understand social media is probably ruling the way you connect, you know, with people. Uh, is that the mantra to go ahead with? 
you know how do corporations use in in you know informal platforms like social media platforms to connect with people those are some things that you know not all corporations would use something like a whatsapp or or maybe you know an instagram to connect i have not seen an instagram or a snapchat being used by any corporation to get in touch with people so you know that's something that you will still have to see especially in the it organization where the crowd is very young how do you create that connect not meeting them and yet you know motivating them enough and i know there are many answers to that where you you have uh, giving them assignments on the kinds that they like and you have uh, more geek platforms where people come and do projects of the kind that that they would want to do uh, that's a way to do it but not everything can be that because a lot of it also gets driven by what your customer wants and and you know maybe a dedicated source of people to them so yes we have some open questions i actually do not have all the answers to that but the beauty of it is that we at least know the problems and i imagine loads of people are grappling with it so do you think the metaverse will come into this in I mean, you know, I, I, I am I am going to be buggered, right? I mean, I've got to be completely honest with you, Jay, because, you know, Snapchat, you know, I, I mean, it's a, it's a world that I was not brought up in. When I started, I didn't even have a computer, yeah. right? There were no computers, there were no internets, right? Oh, yeah. Now it's like Snapchat, this is how you communicate. And I'm like, oh my God, it's sort of like, that is the next generation stuff. Yeah. Um, and I then- agree with you. You know, my, my son did his GCSE on the, on the you know, online so you know probably he's he's grown up like this so better words for him if once he goes into the job will not be too difficult i get more tired about with video calls than i do with meeting people right but then you know mine is a you know i'm in my 40s so i have a different way of of looking at things but at the same time i do understand that you know people who are in their 30s and 20s they have operated differently they have grown up in a different way so while you recognize what's your preference the problem will happen if we don't recognize what the younger generations who are getting into the workforce are used to what's yeah. you know so uh, yeah. metaverse will be i do see metaverse bringing in a huge amount of um that that will be an element for even platforms for for engagement because we we're not seeing anybody coming to office five days anymore. No, I mean it's just it's not heard of, is it? You know, it's sort of um yeah. I th- I think that's um I think it's a really interesting area of the metaverse. So I want to dive into something that's really close to my heart. I know it's close to yours, and I know you involved in a lot of diversity initiatives. So can you give us some insight, or the audience, some insights on the program that you're involved in empowering women? Because I know there's a big program that you're Yeah. Correct. Empowering women programs, you know, I've, this has been so close to my heart and, uh, you know, being a, a woman myself, you know, you couldn't relate it more. You know, it's, it's not something you hear from stories from, but, in, you know, it's a first time experience, you know, people like you and me would have. And there are various forms of it. Some we have done inside, some have, you know, worked for inside and some outside. from the outside perspective you know uh, a few programs and i'll probably not name the company because i've been in the last 2 3 years i've i've made a few changes and and i wouldn't want to put a name of a company in it but a program in which we skilled uh, you know women 
employees from companies where the funding was not enough for them to get trained themselves okay so empowering women employees so that they can start earning themselves and feeling being independent so what you do is you transfer some of your uh, you know funds that you get into a dvn apprentices and then you transfer those funds across to the smaller organizations who do not have a fund and skill them so as i said having a necessary skill to work is the biggest empowerment you can give to a, to a lady right because Absolutely. you know it's like making them you know teaching them fishing rather than giving them a fish right so it's the same way so that was one program external uh internally i think you know getting a glimpse of uh you know exposure to what it means uh you know what it means like being in the c suite uh and what their priorities are is a, is a is a way to to bring about that knowledge and enlighten to create that urge so we had a program in which you know we get the you know we get the middle and the junior level women employees to come and sit with the c suite sit in some of the reviews and get an idea of it you know at that that little stimulates your urge to go up because you know that that kind of tells you what you need to do and if at all you would want to you know take up something like that i i would have i was part of one of such programs and that say oh i really understand that you know and this is how they these people think this is how you know this is what you do when you go and that brings in that kind of of trigger and then giving them roles stretched roles uh stretched roles as you would do on a probation period mm. okay so bringing people you know women employees who wanted to do some of these stretched roles on a probation period and if they don't it is not attached to your performance appraisal it is not attached to any of the remuneration or any evaluative platform but i had set of 10 employees do the job that you wish to do not because you got trained in something and you're doing what you want so you know that kind of of thing and it i wouldn't say all 10 out of 10 succeeded but we had four of them who are currently into the job who succeeded that whole period and they are doing a wonderful job out of it amazing so it's almost like passing it forward really isn't it you know correct correct so it's like you know it's a leap frog from what they were and they have completely gone to a different notch without having the fear of failure because you know you are just put them in an environment where they can exercise fearlessly that if i lose my job how will i pay my mortgage so that was a that was another program which was done apart from other return to to job and other return to work for mothers and all that and those are regular programs we anyways do but bringing in that empowerment to to women not to fear to take risks is what i had that in mind and some of the programs that i mentioned to you was around that yeah that is brilliant um you know and you i know your daughter will be coming up soon into the working world so let's hope she bumps into someone like you that can just, you know <laughs> help her on the way because i think you're absolutely right you know taking risks and just being able to be involved and be around you know people that have you know talking and thinking differently um i think it's absolutely valuable and sort of that mentoring is uh, yeah. is 
so important, especially for younger. If you can get them younger and, um, you know, mentor, I think it can have a huge impact. So, and Emma, you've been such a good mentor. Anybody that you've mentored in the past, I've had such fabulous feedback. I can absolutely vouch for the mentoring that you do. <laughs> <laughs> something like, it's something that I'm absolutely passionate about, you know, yeah. passing, you know, when, when you get older in your career, you know, and it's less about biting your way up the ladder, it's more about how you can pass it on and, and um, you know, help the younger to, to think. Yeah, no, no, I, I completely get it. And, and, you know, while I've done mentoring programs, I've always been part of the mentoring uh, circle within any company that I've been, uh, but definitely you you take away the cake on the mentoring program for women. You, you do it fabulously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that one. Brilliant. So, uh, just a couple of questions left, but I'm really curious if you, 18 year old self, you're 18 and you look back, what, what would you say to yourself now if you, you know, being in your, in your 40s and you're 18, would you have changed anything differently? Would you have any advice for yourself? You know, my 18-year-old self, there were some things I, I, that point in time I did, which I really wanted. You know, I was in the university and I've always been very keen on public speaking and, you know, using platforms which require a lot of expression. And, you know, and I remember at that point in time when I was in the uni, I wanted to do programs in the radio, the national radio and, and you know, typical Indian parents, my mother said, you go to the radio and if that spoils your grades, you you just think what's going to happen. You've had it. Yeah. <laughs> you had it. And I still remember I used to go to the radio and do youth programs there and, you know, uh, and do so many other things, you know, like drama and other things without telling them. But when the results came, when the results came and they were good, then I told my mother, you know what, but I still did this as well. So what I'm trying to tell you is that I think, you know, you should pursue your, your passions definitely, uh, which I did. And I would, I would pat myself as an 18 year old that I never got swayed when it comes to you, the pressures that were created from home only on studies. And I, I, and I didn't give up on that one. Um, and I still relish those stories and all the learnings that came from it. Uh, the other thing probably which I would have changed is that I did a law, but I never pursued myself as a lawyer. Probably if I was there and I would have said, had a little more patience, could have done the, you know, probably you would have seen me as an employment lawyer today. <laughs> Oh, I don't know about. I mean, you're yeah, you're you're too out there, Jaira. I reckon to be sitting in front of too many documents all day long. But yeah, no, I think anything you put your mind to do, you'll do for mm -hmm. sure. <laughs> so, one last question, or a couple last questions actually. But I'm really interested to know because the the, the systems integration market, it's like it's it runs through yours and my blood basically. What are the, what's the biggest mi misconception in your mind that people have about the, the big SIs? I think the only thing to think is that, you know, uh, even though we say that, you know, there's a lot of change in the mindset, people still would think that, you know, it's cheap labor. So uh, 
I don't think it's only cheap. You know, of course, relatively, it would be, you know, compared to what, you know, you'd get rates in terms of, of a market like the UK and US. It, you know, probably some of the um, offshore rates would be different. But I don't think it's only a matter of, of uh, uh, looking at SIs as a, as a cheap rate shop, uh, but also looking at it where, you know, the value of work speaks for itself. So that's a misconception, which I think it's many have now, you know, uh, realized. Look at some of the CEOs in the Silicon Valley. <laughs> there's, a lot, there's a lot of innovation, I think, comes out of the um, large SIs because, you know, yeah. they, they turn things on a sixpence, don't they? You know, they don't get so bogged yeah. down with with. Correct. Yeah. So, but I think there's a lot of entrepreneurial mindset also, which has come in uh, and people do understand today that, you know, uh, people, customers do pay you for the value you bring. Otherwise, and, and that has gone down deep. Uh, people do understand the whole wave, like I said, of what AI would bring and they're all gearing up. It's not only a cost arbitrage that works. Yeah, I, I, I ditto that. So, last question: um, Who would you like to see on this podcast? If you could, if you could pick anyone to listen to, who, is there anybody that you think, yeah, they'd be really interesting to know their story? I think all the the younger generation should watch this podcast. Definitely, <laughs> we should. You know, I, I have always been, you know have the future in your mind because that's that's where all of us whether we like or not we will go okay and and you know because i've always been tuned to this whole growth mindset i i do feel i need to invest time and uh this whole podcast should be looked at you know should be heard by uh <clears throat> not just you know people who are in and around and colleagues like us but for you know, prospective workforce also, which comes, uh, you know, into our habit. I couldn't agree with you more. And funny enough, we've got a mini series coming up actually, and it's about with Gen Z and uh, it's about neurodiversity. Um, yeah, so that'll be interesting. We're, we're in the production of that at the moment. So, and I think that will be really interesting to know what they look at differently to us, you know, when they're coming into the workforce. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying doing it actually, because they think so differently. I love it. But um, Jay, I thank you so much for coming on this podcast. I absolutely loved it and really enjoyed uh, speaking to you. So thank you very much. Thank you so much, Emma. It's always a pleasure to speak to you. Brilliant. <laughs>